Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, fixing what's broken. Activating your higher self. And know that you know. This is Obstacle Course. Let's go. All right, you said you had something, Andrew. Yeah, so when you think of... Maybe we'll go back in time. Let's start going back in time. When you, when you were a man of the ministry and... <laughs> of the cloth. A man of the cloth. <laughs> what came to mind when thinking of cannabis? Oh, man. Just like, just, uh, um, what's the word? Um, delinquent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just delinquents would use it. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was bad. It was morally, morally corrupt delinquents. Uh, people who didn't have their li- life together. Mm-hmm. Um, like Reefer Madness. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever seen clips of Reefer Madness? No. It basically no, because it's morally corrupt, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, well, you couldn't. Yeah, you <laughs> couldn't even watch the movie. But no, but it was like a public service That's right. kind of announcement about this right. is what happens when your children are exposed to to cannabis. Right, they go insane. Basically, right. they rampage through the streets. They destroy everything. They ruin their lives. Right. And how about now? Oh, I mean, it's totally totally changed. I mean, it doesn't work for me personally, as you've heard on a previous episode. Mm-hmm. But because it was actually a little bit more of the reefer madness effect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, per- personally, yeah, I don't feel a call to it, and I've used it. And perhaps, as you'll learn in this episode, there's there's multiple strains and and a lot of education on. It's not just about you know smoking pot, for instance. It's like mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of education component. But I'm a believer because I see the the good that it's done for my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see her pain. I see you know her laying on the bed, unable to to get up, and seeing what th- this allows her to get up and, and continue and live a normal life. So I'm completely like a f- huge fan. Yeah, it is. What's fascinating for me is how the the understanding and the knowledge and just the the way we withhold mm-hmm. cannabis, marijuana, for whatever sure. you want to call it has changed so drastically and and a big part is in Canada legalization and, and the efforts that have taken place because I think even if you go south of the border you're a lot of places other than the places that have legalized or decriminalized um it is still that previous oh, sure. approach and outlook yeah. but now we understand the different strains and we're figuring out how CBD can treat certain things and then THC can Treat, treat certain things and it, it really is become like a wonder drug and almost every ailment there's a, an approach that you can take with some strain or, or some uh, component of cannabis and it's just it's just mind-blowing how much in 20 years it has changed from uh, as bad and treated the same way in our uh, legal system as like ecstasy or, or cocaine or something or co- like that. Cocaine or yeah, or crystal meth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. It, it's basically in the same category. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, that, and that's the way I would have seen it. Just like when I said it, I saw it as delinquency. Like it's just people who are just giving up on life, and they were just you know biding their time. And 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 we we did talk about that in this conversation. Amazing conversation. It went so many different places. It was mind blowing, literally. Mm-hmm. And um, and and one of the places it went that was good is we dealt with the whole idea of. Um, I think it's had a bad reputation. Perhaps we can discuss this a little bit now too. Is is I think the bad reputation has come from um, 
it's often been used for very limited purposes to escape from reality to to help endure an unimaginable reality but but the whole idea of you know becoming a more actualized person or thriving really wasn't something that was pushed it was more just kind of like a fun way to forget and and as we you know as as we know that's not a good long-term strategy no for living it doesn't doesn't get you <laughs> anywhere positive no yeah and one of the real gems in in the work that our guests do mm. is they're using components of cannabis to get people off of crazy prescriptions yeah. that completely numb your numb your mind absolutely and so they're using components of cannabis to did you almost say numb your nuts no <laughs> that's what, no that's what i literally thought you were saying <laughs> Anyways. Uh. I just I just derailed what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Maybe that comes from numb nuts. Were you Maybe. ever were you ever called that growing up? Because I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, maybe you've just been sitting too long. You need to move around a bit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just the fact that they're able to use the components of cannabis to yeah. enable people to get to a point where they they're able to do the deeper work rather than just be complete zombies numbed out by the crazy prescriptions and by the self-medication often um of alcohol and and other hard drugs um so getting them off that using the medicinal properties the plant-based properties of cannabis so that they're able to actually treat the cause rather than just cover up the symptoms and and that was something that we were immediately drawn to the whole idea of treating the the cause getting to the root of the issue rather than just uh band-aiding the symptoms which i think is something that we both take issue with just the way that we often treat our own lives well what's crazy and what's really unexpected when when he said that he never uses it recreationally and yeah. it's like right away he just destroyed the stereotype. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, obviously he's just always he's a pothead, you know. He's just always using it just all the time, and he's just always in a kind of a, you know, a, you know, just sort of floating through life. And it's just like that's that's one of those terrible stereotypes that probably makes it difficult for them to make any headway. Um, yeah, with with, with get, getting it to be looked at as something that's that's uh, that's a real medical help for people yeah if this was Uh, if people just discovered cbd and thc yeah as potential drugs it would be treated completely differently yeah um but because it has the stereotype it's Mm -hmm. what this is an is an opportunity a great opportunity for people to deal with their own inherent biases which we're we all have our unconscious biases that control our way of, of looking at the world. It's, it's filters that, that we have that we've developed through our experiences and often they're, they're misguiding us. So this is uh, for people who maybe have perceptions of marijuana of like reefer madness or whatever it might be. This is uh, this is an opportunity for people for, for learning a little bit more reality and, uh, a different way of looking at the situation. Yeah, and earlier you know, <laughs> earlier you used the term numb, mm-hmm. and like ultimately, that's the word that's often connected to going to smoke. It's like I just need to numb out. I just need to escape. And I think it's important to say that we all need some escape in our life. 
You know, I kind of yeah. said that earlier as almost like it was a bad thing or you're not strong if you have to escape. Uh, the reality is I escape a lot of evenings watching movies. I mean, that is an escape. Um, or, or Oilers games. Or Oilers games, yeah. Which I'll, is just a, a poor choice for an escape because it just brings you further into the misery. <laughs> you know what? It, it's an obstacle, and I think it's making me more resilient watching the Oilers every game. But they are in first right now, so anyways. But uh, but but truthfully, like a little bit of escape is fine. And that's it's, it's almost I almost look at it as escape as in the realm of self-care. Because mm. we, do, we do need that to, to disengage sometimes. From uh, from perhaps the challenging career we have, or the even extreme exercise, or whatever we're trying to do, self betterment, uh, we do need to rest. And so, if we want to use the word escape, sure. And if this, if, if using you know cannabis can help you escape, so that you can come back fully stronger in the next moment, then then I'm a total fan of it. But if you're using it all day just to escape everything all the time, perhaps the problem you know is much greater. And it needs to be solved more than just, you know, smoking. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great point. And um, it reminded me, as, as you were saying that, Adam Creek, previous guest, right. had his um, his kind of scale of addiction right. and, and abuse. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if, if you're, uh, sure, you can use, he, we use the idea of donuts. Like you can have a, <laughs> right. have a donut, uh, you know, if you want to have a donut, on a Friday because you finished work and, and it's delicious and tasty and, and rich. Um, fine. That's not hurting anybody. That's have not hurting donut. yourself. Have, yeah. Enjoy your donut. But if you need to have four donuts to get out of bed every morning right. or to put yourself to sleep, then, mm-hmm. then it might be a bit of an issue. So um, I, I think it's a, a, an excellent point that escape is not uh, inherently bad or wrong. Um, but if you're depending on it, for coping with reality, then then that's an issue. Yeah, what a what a great discussion! It went in so many different directions. I mean, it almost it was a nice trip. I mm-hmm. mean, truly. I mean, it it it. Uh, I didn't quite know exactly all the things that we would cover cover off, but uh, both of our guests, Fabian and Julianne, were very forthcoming and vulnerable. And Fabian was was uh, in the military for decades, and he just talked about the toll that took and. Just the absolute crime it is that that these soldiers come out with just no help, essentially. Yeah, I mean, very little help, um, except the, for the, nine the, prescriptions. Yeah, the wrong kind of the help. the wrong kind of help for sure. Yeah, and it, and um, yeah, so that's great. Yeah, uh, enjoy everyone, and uh, this conversation's giving me a bit of the munchies. So yeah, man, I'm starving. Let's go get a burrito. We've got a Trans Canada podcast here we do. from one, one coast to another. And uh, yeah, we want to w- welcome you here, Julianne and Fabian, uh, to Obstacle Course. Thank you. So I think one great place to start is to, to introduce a little bit of the work that you do. And I, I know you both have a lot going on, but if you can kind of try to summarize maybe Gaff House as well, uh, maybe touching on Canada House Clinics and yeah, all the the amazing stuff that, that you do and, and the passion that's behind it. The immediate thing we're doing, what's important now, is we're focusing on uh, the GAF charity, our, our nonprofit uh, veteran company, that is um, working towards creating uh, a system um, that works in healing or an attempting to heal trauma, uh, specifically trauma. 
um, and that has been evolved over the last half decade uh, through what you just asked is the Canada House Clinics. They used to be called Marijuana for Trauma. It was very specific in the early days because there was no clinics. It was direct to the point. Um, and, you know, those clinics have registered 12,000 patients, uh, half of those being veterans of Canada, trying to figure out how to use medical cannabis to treat trauma. It's fa fairly new. Um, so that was out in the front everywhere, but it, it's not anymore. It's just through patient evolution, it's just treating a symptom. Uh, you still need to do the other work, which where the gas comes in are four pillars of healing. Very, very important. Treat the symptom with the right band-aid. Treat your injury with uh, medical professionals like psychologists through neurofeedback and CBT therapy, etc. Pillar three is holistic healing, yoga, breathwork. This is where Julianne comes in. Um, Land-based healing activities, connecting with nature, these type of things. And then pillar four, we've noticed patients and veterans are finding purpose in their life again. So this framework, getting the right medicine, treatment, holistic healing, purpose is what's at the forefront for, for the GAF today. I think that's commendable because we're we're often operating under um, sort of a routine or a habit where we just treat the symptom because um, it's more lucrative, right? Just keep people right. kind of sick and we'll just kind of keep you, you know, sort of feeling a bit better, but still kind of sick. <laughs> so I love yeah, the idea it's... of the root cause. Yeah. Right. And, that, and that's the real work. Like, uh, you know, we follow a lot of professionals like Dr. Gabor Mate, who, who, who's out in your area, yeah, British Columbia, yeah. who, who really says if you're not treating trauma, you're not treating addiction. So Absolutely. I, I find him to be an expert and I, and I love his work. Mm -hmm. And he's right. Pillar two is treating the actual trauma, which will deal with some of the addiction issues. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can yeah. we share what GAF stands for? Her? Oh, yeah. So it's a funny analogy. <laughs> I'll me, guys. We, GAF in the military, uh, part of my language, it's called the give a fuck factor. Mm -hmm. When you're doing a task in the military, you're supposed to have a high GAF when you're doing your task. So um, with these clinics, Marijuana for Trauma Canada House, 2016, I sold them and I donated 100% of what I could get for them to start this GAF, Global Alliance Foundation Fund, um, because my GAF was high. <laughs> nice but also because you know we, we need more than just cannabis like i was explaining yeah. yeah that's it is funny because when i first saw the the acronym the and gaff i immediately my mind went to giving a fuck um and I, and, and thought it was coincidental so it's no, uh it's not it's a it's a good term that uh, <laughs> military guys will be able to connect and first responders they also have understanding of the gaff perfect and we're hoping it'll be good too. And we're looking for like donations and partnering with people, like just saying, like, how much do you give a fuck? Like, how high is your give a fuck factor? So, adding that to it too. Love it. So, I think that's a, a great outline of kind of what the work is now. But um, really, the much like many people who start something they're passionate about, or entrepreneurs, or, or people who are creators. It's solving a problem that, that they have themselves experienced or, or seen firsthand in the in the real world and in around them and have that personal experience with. So if we can kind of go back in time a little bit, maybe bring up some of your own stories about why this was necessary and and where you were in your lives where you maybe would have benefited from from something like this. 
Yeah, um, it's it, it started in Afghanistan for me. I mean, coming from a hardworking background, coal miners, family, and community, the military was an easy progression. Just work hard, deploy a bunch of times, six times, a couple times Afghanistan. Um, you buy into a system. It's a system that's needed, and it's a mission man self system. It's mission first. You're last. So you buy into that, and you fight for your country and your flag and the man and woman next to you, um, under the understanding that when you come back, that system is supposed to take care of you, and you're under, you know, you believe that that's going to happen. So a bunch of warriors came back broken from 2001 or 2014. We fought a war in Afghanistan. A, a bunch of Canadian soldiers came back broken, and you know, I was never so devastated that I joined at 20. I got kicked out. 13 years later for PTSD and I was giving a 90 day prescription and told to go to the nearest operational stress injury clinic. And that's the best they could do for me. Hmm. Um, and, and I was on nine pills a day, like an alcoholic. And, and that was not working. There's a crack in the armor from the trained brain and the epigenetics in there. Um, that when you get out, there's no one holding your hand or a system guiding you through any of the navigating through any of the veteran affairs system or the paperwork, or the pensions or the medicine. Um, it, it's just take your pharmaceuticals and try to get through treatment, which has not been successful to date. I, I, I've been to my 15th funeral last week for one of my comrades over the last six years, and, and this shit gonna stop me. You know, so we've been trying to create this system, Julianne and I, um, that is based around the spirit. You know, we we go to war, we have the spirit, we're willing to fight, we're willing to die. We come back, the spirit's broken, they give us a pharmaceutical helmet, and we can't even think anymore for ourselves. Uh, my, my penis didn't work for two years of my life, guys. That's a real thing. Uh, and, that, and that was quite embarrassing. Um, you know, and shame on shame on the VA and shame on the system for, for, for not adopting and, and changing. Yes, the Canadian VA pays for cannabis. Yes, they pay for treatment. And we're very, very grateful for that. But there's still people taking their lives, so alarm bells should be going off. And they're not, you know, they're just trying their best with, with, with what they have to work. So that's what's what's going on in, in Fabio Henry's life. And Julianne, you know, being a, a spiritual healer and uh, a holistic in nature and everybody loves Julianne. It's a great partner. Uh, and I'm very fortunate to have found someone like that um, to counterbalance, you know, the trauma that she she walks through with me. Yeah, uh, a, a lot, a lot to unpack there. And I, sorry, man. No, sorry, no, no. It's blast. great. It's great. I, I just, I know we have a lot of questions that we want to j- just jump right into. But let's, um, before we do that, let's let's switch over to Julianne, and and why don't you, um, give us a little bit of the motivation behind starting this this type of work yourself? Because I, I know there's there's often um, there's often something personal in it um, in terms of the coaching and the healing work, um, often the, the healing has to happen for, for oneself before they're able to, to begin healing others. Mm-hmm. So I grew up like in a small town on literally on an Island connected by a bridge with like no internet and three channels eating meat and potatoes. Like you only know what, you know, kind of the small town, small mind mentality. And I, from the moment I was born, I was sick a lot. 
and my parents are awesome and taking me to like the doctors and the specialists and trying to do everything that they could for me but just every year and growing up through a kid even into my youth I kept getting sick and every doctor would be like well take this medication go see this specialist here in this city take this medication now take this one so just constantly through that cycle of again trying to treat a symptom not knowing what's really going on healing not healing but kind of overcoming that one system and that one symptom and then something else would come up and i got to the point that i was in high school so as a teenager and my voice changed really fast so it went from one way and then all of a sudden i was having issues like my voice changed kind of husky it is now but even more deeper than this and I was losing my voice for days at a time so I'd be like whispering or writing out what I had to say and I again started going to doctors and seeing different specialists and eventually found out I had a cyst inside one of my vocal cords and right away they're like well we'll do surgery and we'll cut it out and that should be it but I had like more questions like well how did it get there and well, if you do surgery, is it going to come back again? And what caused it? Just all these questions. They had no answers. And I didn't feel comfortable going to surgery right away because your vocal cords are so thin and it's so important to be able to talk. So I started looking at different options, just going through like Google and reading books and seeing different ways of healing. And my sister was entering a science fair at the time and she was like I want to do a project on your vocal cords and I was like okay so we met with my physics teacher in high school and I would start testing the frequency of my voice and the sound waves every day so one day I'd like write down what I ate see what my voice sounded like that day what activities I did the next day what my voice sounded like then and I never thought about my voice or like the body as a frequency or as energy. And then that kind of started getting me intrigued as to, well, how comes my voice is on a different wavelength depending on what's going on? So that was kind of what started me into thinking of energy and frequency. Um, the next time I went back to my doctor, my vocal cords were actually better. Like they weren't 100% healed, but they were better. And then a couple months later, my voice got bad again, and I went back and I had another cyst and nodules and this other cycle again of going through this healing. And that was kind of like my point of there has to be another way because this isn't working, everything that they're telling me to do. Um, so I met a friend in college at this point, and she was like, well, why don't we go to a yoga class sometime? And I was very like judgmental being from a small town. I'm like, I don't eat granola. I don't know what Lululemon is. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like I have this idea of like yoga journal of what that's what yoga was. So she took me to my first class and it was a Bikram hot yoga class, which I would not recommend taking someone to for their first time going to yoga. <laughs> but leaving that class, I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever looked at the trees this way. And I feel so much like in my body and just so different. So I made a point to start going to different yoga classes and finding different teachers because something just changed in me. Like I felt really good. 
So that's what led me into yoga. Uh, from there, I started like just meeting people through classes, and they'd be like, "Why don't you try Reiki for your voice?" I'm like, "What is that?" So I'd go and find someone and try it out, and that's what led me to the energy healing and then the food healing. I found a Chinese medicine doctor, and putting all that together is when I realized like we have the ability to heal ourselves with the help of other people who are also in tune. And once I had my own experience of healing my vocal cords completely and other health issues, then I wanted to do this for other people. And which brings me to my business now, whereas I connect people to the self. So connecting back to your inner voice mm -hmm. and your inner healer and allowing that to guide the way, being the leader of your own health and life. So the, the metaphor of the voice is a very rich one. And I think something that uh, just brings up curiosity. And I just wonder, <clears throat> what was it, do you think, about, about finding your voice or, or connecting with your inner voice and that, that needed to happen? Or, or how did that fit into the the healing process that, that really mm -hmm. that real great question because if you like start looking into the chakras like the throat chakra and being able to speak up for yourself and communicating and the need to be heard and the need to be seen i definitely think i struggled with that in some sense because i always felt like i wanted to do things differently than tradition and a small town or the way people think of doing things and it could also be past life I believe in that so who knows like being a witch maybe I was hung <laughs> any of those past life things you know <laughs> so I believe in past lives but I'm like anything to do with just kind of I always feel like being in like that box or I've started reading a lot of books now where like women are starting to speak up more and they'll say like you're taught to be like a good girl and please other people and make everyone else happy like staying quiet and I feel like that suppresses the voice and that suppresses your creativity so especially in high school when you're starting to like come into your own and having your own emotions your own choices being able to find that voice and then working through how can you make that louder than the other voices and kind of resolving that conflict. I think that's a brilliant point you brought up about the voice that women have not had over in history, really. <laughs> I mean, they're just starting mm -hmm. to get their voice now after like, you know, tens of thousands of years. And um, yeah, it's just a powerful time for reflection. And women for so long existed almost for other people, but, but they never mm -hmm. were able to like fully, you know, actualize themselves to the degree that they should have. And, and I, th I think that's powerful and it's good that it's happening. We still have a long way to go. Um, just, just like with other things, other, other voices that have been silenced, but we are starting to get to the point where we're realizing, um, that, um, we all have a voice and we all need to be heard. And, and I think that's a, that's a very important message in the, in this time and age. So, so that's great. And just the metaphor for me, I think in metaphors all the time, almost to a fault. <laughs> Andrew will tell you, I see metaphors and I can watch any movie in the world be the worst movie in the world. And I'm just like, oh man, <laughs> this is really, this is a metaphor for this. And just the whole idea of the cyst on your vocal cords, um, just that thing that's that the, almost like an obstacle, almost like a, a thing preventing the full actualization of what it was for. And just what it, what is the cyst on our own voice as in our own identities? 
You know what I mean? What is that thing? And, and identifying that, cutting it out, so to speak, and then having a more powerful voice and be able to speak your truth even louder, I think is is per, perhaps the the journey of all of our lives, to be honest. And um, so, so yes, th- th- thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I wanted you. to go back to Fabian for for a second um, and, and just talk about to what interested me is why do you think you signed up for the military? What was your mindset? going in that you wanted to perhaps experience i'll be uh, perfectly honest man i I never seen myself joining the Canadian forces at all um the coal mines closed and i watched my dad lose a full pension and so job security was what was on my mind when i joined Hmm. that there would be a paycheck every uh, twice a month and that they loved hockey players and i played uh triple a hockey up to junior um, and they say, you know, this this is for you, and, and it was. I, I had the best time for the first seven years. Hmm. It, it, it was amazing, um, but it was about job security for me at the time. Gotcha. Uh, I didn't go to. I don't. I got a grade twelve education. I didn't finish university. Um, I'm an experiential learner. I learn by experience, mostly mistakes first, and then adjusting my arcs. Um, <laughs> but that's that's how I learn. Hmm. So in terms of the i'm even i'm just thinking about like the the marketing that goes behind canadian forces and and Mm -hmm. and and military it's it's got that sense of glorification to it and and for sure there is a lot of pride that is um necessary in serving one's country and and doing at least what our country thinks is the right thing to do um but there's never really that mention of of sent of being coming back broken really of of the the rampant ptsd that exists and there's a lot of young men out there who get sucked into the the idealism um or or just a, a steady job but do you think there should be or there ought to be more realism and knowledge that's passed along that this this can have extremely detrimental mental health effects yeah that's a great great point because they sell you the whole do you like camping and you like the outdoors right. yeah. and of, of course and i bought in there we all do at a young age right and the hockey and the hockey so i bought into that but you're absolutely right maybe um in the in the recruiting video they should they should show us um post-military standing at my friend Lionel Desmond's funeral uh, where he killed his whole family and then killed himself two years ago. Mm. And and this is a, a sniper that was in Afghanistan and a warrior and a kind-hearted soul, happy-go-lucky, unbelievable how this could happen from trauma. And if they don't show you that and you don't understand the risks you take, you know, how – that's why we're devastated when we're not taken care of because you're under that understanding. Okay. You fight and we'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not what happens. So Fabian, I, I wonder if you're willing to um, just for, for our, our listeners who are trying to perhaps visualize s- some of the, some of the traumas you might've experienced. I, I'm sure right. in 14 years you, you saw pretty much everything that, that you, you would expect. Um, but is there any sort of notable moments that I'd still play over in your mind that that you would that you'd be okay sharing just to kind of give us a bit of a, a 
bit of an understanding of, of, of what you had to experience? Right. Um, yes. And while I still go to therapy on a regular basis, so I can talk about this kind of stuff, um, with trauma, it's a time-stamped event. It was a critical injury that happened on a Wednesday at around 9 p.m. at night, uh, Easter weekend, 2007. Hmm. Okay, when you're in the uh, west side of Kandahar City, you're in uh, Schittsville, you're on a two-day mission uh, chasing down the enemy, and on the way back out, um, they get you with an IED. Mm-hmm. And they don't kill anyone with the first one, but as an engineer, you understand there's always a secondary IED. The first one is bait, and they baited us. And um, most of the ba- most of the company got across to the hard stand, which would be the road, and, and there was still a few vehicles that had to go through a ditch. But uh, by the time we got that first vehicle recovered, it got dark out. So it's pitch black out. There's three armored vehicles on the other side of a ditch that's full of water. And as an engineer, you know that there's something not right um and let's just call it miscommunication uh when you're supposed to take charge of that position um and those three vehicles moved when they weren't supposed to move and they came through that ditch and and they hit a a double stack tc6 anti-tank mine and um basically we had to call a black hawk helicopter to land in the field and pick up two dead canadian soldiers because of a mistake Mm. um Three days earlier, six Canadian soldiers hit a massive uh, IED and killed everybody in the vehicle. I'm the sergeant right now. So mm-hmm. that, that Easter weekend has been devastating on many, many men and women since uh, over a decade now. And it has taken some of the people's lives that were there uh, post-war. They should have been taken care of. And they're gone now. They, you know, this is after the war is over. So that's that's a timestamp that you can go on Google and check out uh, Trooper Pentland, Master Corporal Stewart. Um, and, and that was a sad day in the battle group. And what do you do? You have to put your boots back on the next day and go back to, for the next mission. The war don't stop until you get home, and then you don't understand how to deal with all that shit. So you drink and you take the pills that they told you to take. That'll make you better, benzos and SSRIs. And is that not a fucking disaster uh, if I've ever seen one? Mm-hmm. I've never smoked cannabis in my life until I was 31 years old, and I'm tired of taking pills and and drinking alcohol and next thing you know i I feel relief for the first time Mm. so so that led down to a new path Um, but but it's not without trying everything that they asked me to try Mm -hmm. Uh, i lost my my family and i I don't see my kids regularly and i lost everything i worked for and because of this injury and because of giving everything i had and it was devastating and it's very hard to untrain your brain and, and reprocess and find your spirit again and how the hell do you do that? Through experiences. That's how it happened. That's how all the, through trying sacred medicines. I've been in Mexico. I've been in the basements with, with doctors doing 5-MeO-DMT and, and ayahuasca and psilocybin and, and cannabis even. They all activate non-ordinary states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And they call it journey work. And when you're in journey work, that's where you see that your, your, your soul and your spirit exists again. Uh, and perhaps slows down the bleeding that's going on today that makes any sense so thank you for for going there yeah uh, first of all um i know when dealing with trauma it it um it's hard to to kind of bring the sheets back and 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 become vulnerable again so i just want to make sure you understand our gratitude for that um and and our listeners as well 
Um, what, what do you think motivated you to continue doing the work to continue trying new things, um, rather than just the drugs that you mentioned, the, the prescribed ones and, and alcohol are, are often pretty good at covering up the pain. They don't take it away. Um, they don't actually deal with it, but they're, they're pretty good at covering the, that up. Um, but you were, it wasn't good enough for you and, and, and you kept pushing and, and kept trying to find, um, an actual solution. And, and where do you think that motivation came from? Uh, most likely, uh, most of it came from my, my two children at the time. I had two young children, um, that I have tattooed on my arm mm. and their portraits, but, um, nice. you know, I did every, like I said, I t- took all the pills and drank and did what I was supposed to. And it's what devastated me is that I was listening and I was following their protocols and their system. And then that's how my, everything broke down in my life from my marriage to everything with my children and to my job, my ability to be able to cope with life. Um, and, and what driven me to get better is, is my two children. Uh, my daughter don't remember, thank God, but, um, I remember being puking on the bathroom floor and, and her being three or four years old, asking what's wrong with dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's 15 now. Thank God she don't quite remember that. But, um, you know, it's alcohol is a depressant. Why, mm-hmm. The best a doctor say is try not to take the pills at the same time as the alcohol. I mean, we got to have better solutions than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, would, yeah. would, would you say that was the moment or perhaps one of the strongest moments when you decided to make a change when your daughter saw you on the on the bathroom floor or was there another moment that that was sort of the rock bottom where you're like never again right and there was and it wasn't shortly after that i was in uh homewood a two-month inpatient care facility in ontario um and that was rock bottom that was when i had to leave my kids behind and leave everybody behind behind and go in for care for fabian Um, and that was the first time i asked them to bring in somebody to tell me what spirituality is because i was raised a catholic Mm -hmm. and that's a bunch of bullshit too Mm -hmm. um but that's you know spirituality i had no idea i didn't know what what that meant i thought you know pray to jesus and all the stuff and Mm -hmm. uh uh oh there's a whole universal law out there in metaphysics uh, that was never ever explained to me Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and so when i got back from treatment that was the first i'm not going back down i'm not taking the pills and i'm not uh drinking the alcohol and 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 i found the sacred plant cannabis and that changed my shift turned it in a different direction so i'm yeah. i'm super interested to hear um hear a bit more about the spirituality part of things um it's a topic that we've covered um on a few episodes of late um but the great thing about it is it's one of those topics where people can have completely different perspectives and different views and it, it's it, everyone kind of has their own definition and of how it works for them so maybe even for both of you to to kind of describe what spirituality means and how it was uh how it played a part in in your own healing yeah i mean again for, for me i i read the secret for the first time uh, when I when I got back and I, and I reached out to the secret team on their official website and I told them my story that I was a 
31-year-old broken soldier. I had cheated on my wife. I had done all these bad things. And I want the world to know so that I, I, I want Fabian Henry to be a good person from now on. And they published that story on their website. They sent me a handwritten card and a book. And it arrived at a time um, that was the first time I believed in um, manifesting. And from that point, I started a company with $44 in my pocket. Um, that's worth millions of dollars today. Uh, and that's through manifesting, believing, and not knowing when or how. But with every fiber of your body, you believe it's going to happen. And you take to action towards that dream. You can't dream and shit happens. You have to dream and take action. And that's exactly what... I wrote it down because I want that to be a bumper sticker someday. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's the truth. Like, there's a lot of dreamers, right? And there's a lot of wanters and stuff. But if you don't take the action, it's never, ever, ever coming true. And if you have doubt on the final hour, it's never coming true. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful that's a, point. It's a real thing. So, Julianne, <clears throat> um, going back to you for, for a moment... Um, you know your your moment, um, your bathroom flu- floor moment, so to speak. Your your rock bottom moment. When when for you was it clear that where I'm at right now cannot continue, and this is what I need to do moving forward. Yeah, it was just getting to the point that like it was hard for me just to live like daily life. Like I was missing school and work as I got older because of my health, and I was thinking, if I'm this age, like older teenager young into my 20s right this year I'll be 30 so at the time I was like if I'm this sick all the time what am I gonna be like in 10 to 20 years if I'm already sick and just having a hard time like doing daily things so I think that was my like rock bottom in the sense of like this can't go on like this and not being able to talk well you kind of take that for granted because you're just born with a Mm -hmm. voice and I was again, how can I live and not be able to communicate in that way? Um, so that's when luckily I'd also found yoga and the other forms of healing at the time and started doing the inner healer work. And that's when I also found spirituality because I was raised like Lutheran. So my grandmother and my nanny, their sides of the family were like, very into going to church but my parents were kind of like oh it doesn't really matter to us but we go because it's important to them so luckily I grew up being a little more relaxed in that way but that's all I knew like religion and spirit was but then through yoga and reading books and connecting with others spirituality became to me of knowing that there's this other divine intelligence but you're also that divine intelligence within your body and you can trust that we have this world that teaches you to not be able to trust yourself, not be able to trust your voice, not be able to trust your thoughts and kind of like buying into the system of what they want you to trust and believe. But when you find spirituality, you can learn to trust yourself and know that you're that intelligence and unconditional love as well. That's interesting when you say finding spirituality, learning to trust yourself. Because I came, I also came from a conservative Christian background where it was like learning to trust the invisible. Like, I don't know what Mm -hmm. I'm trusting, something, you know, this, this truth (laughs) in the Bible or this guy who he lives upstairs or lives, you know, past the clouds. Right. But but, I don't know, no fixed address. Right. But, um, 
the you know you saying spirituality is learning to trust yourself it's 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 intriguing and and i wonder if you can explain that a little bit more Mm-hmm. Well, you ever like go to yoga class or find meditation or have those moments that like this thought or idea comes into your mind or this little inner voice that we all have. Sometimes we just think, oh, that's just a thought or whatever that was. You kind of don't think much of it, but like that's the inner voice. That's the intelligence speaking to you. So mm-hmm. the more that you can put yourself into experiences or situations where you can start to make that voice louder, but then also like acting on it. So for instance, like if you're at your doctor's appointment and they're recommending something for you and you're like, oh, I don't think like I know you need to get a second opinion and mm-hmm. you believe in that. So then you start going out into the world and all of a sudden you find the perfect person that's going to help you. And you're like, oh, I'm so glad I listened to that voice. So kind of always putting your faith in that voice and then actually acting on it so then that starts to become stronger it's like that battle of the heart and the head like how can they kind of actually work together instead of allowing what maybe you've been taught to take over so keeping Mm -hmm. that trust in the self and i believe like with fabian or veterans or anyone with trauma they're also struggling with that it's like how do i find the trust within myself to be able to find the healing that I need or again speaking up for myself for letting go of those identities to become more me because that's really all that we're doing is trying to become more of ourselves mm-hmm. all the time yeah hmm. and both of you are referring to that connection piece and and it's not about just blind faith in something that is destined um which is a fairly traditional conservative uh, belief, but it's also not completely selfish and and only just worrying about yourself. It's that connection with something greater and, and that and belief in that. Um, and and Fabian, when when you talked about the secret and and the manifestation, um, it's I find that it's it's popping up more and more maybe because i'm i'm aware of it but um it's exactly yeah um but manifesting seems to be a bit of kind of a a trendy or a hot button thing right now where where some people are 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 all in on it and it is working for them and and other people are saying kind of as you're referring to the bumper sticker you can't just like wish for something and, and expect it to happen um but for you, it, and you're an example of it, it, it has worked. And I'm curious why, if you could delve a little bit deeper into why you think that manifesting does work. Yeah, personally, um, I used to start by testing the universe um, and have little situations uh, where you think about it days before and then it happens and you make a big deal out of it. It was a small little event. And now big events are happening. Um, with smaller, uh, wow, that just happened because uh, it works. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm. I had nothing. I started from an idea that I felt in my heart, not in my head. I lead with my heart. Um, that's not the best way in business, by the way. Uh, <laughs> if you don't understand business, which I didn't, and yeah. there's a bunch of sharks out there. They take advantage. Uh, I don't even know if they have a heart that beats. But <laughs> anyways, um, that's that's how uh, 
I know it's real is because it's working. There's evidence to show. There's hundreds of people who've said uh, what we do has, has saved their life. Uh, it, you know, and it's not us. It's just a, a a new system, a new way to think, a new way to operate, and change your epigenetics uh, and change your core beliefs. They're so hard to do, but when you do change your core beliefs, the universe opens up. The love opens up. A lot of things open up, and then the universe provides, and all the opportunities come flowing through. But they don't come before. So, you know, if you're negative, you're not going to have people coming towards you. They're going away from you, right? <laughs> Uh, and the data shows this, guys, like that, you know, the sugar pill, a third of people heal themselves. Yeah. They think they're taking a pill and getting better, but they're not. For that's, sure. that's real data. Mm-hmm. You know? One thing that really stood out there that I found fascinating was about changing your core beliefs uh, as it being a huge part of that process. Um, not an easy thing to do and, and not something that people are often willing to do. Um, but I'm curious what, what that process was like or what, what core beliefs of yours did change? So difficult. And Dr. Jacek, he was the founder of the treatment program I was in, and I was the last class before he was retiring. And that's what he looked at me and said, it's not impossible, but it's almost impossible. It's so hard to do. You really got to be dedicated if you want to change your core beliefs. And, um, you know, I questioned Jesus Christ, the only son of God, sent the sacrifice for everybody else's sins. When I'm looking down at my son, and it's like, go to hell. Sacrifice for your own sins. If we all sacrifice for our own sins, I won't have to send my son. And and, and I wasn't believing in, in, in that philosophy anymore, or I wasn't willing to live that way anymore. From my core beliefs as religion and growing up, the only good thing, you know, not the only good thing, but the best thing was hard work. I, I was shown how to work hard. And and then onward to, uh, you know, opening up the creative side of our brains through entheogenic therapy, basically. Well, and I think, you know, we we're talking about the word manifesting. And I think, you know, you said, and it worked. And so that's how I know, you know, it it was good. I think, you know, just listening to your both your stories, I think the, perhaps one of the reasons it's working is because it stems from your values. Mm. Right. This isn't just something like a like a superficial manifestation, like, you know, where you just you know <laughs> hoped your favorite team is going to win the Stanley Cup this year or whatever, put in whatever your hope is. Um, but it was it seems to me to be something that flowed from who you were, who you actually were, your real voice. Um, every fiber, like every, every fiber, fiber. Of your body. That's how it works. Right. Not like you can't sign up and. Practice, you know, read the book and think it's going to work like that. That's not how right. it works. Yeah. So, so the magic is, is something you create, not just something you it, kind of benefit and, from. And that's what you know Julianne what I mean? was touching on: is it's within you, as vast as the universe is. It starts inside and right. goes outward. If you're looking outward to get in, it doesn't work that way. Right. It starts inward and goes out. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I wanted to add something with the values. I did my first online uh, course in December called know thyself and one of the days is i send them a list of like 100 values or something and they have to go through the list and of course like you might have like 50 on there but they had to narrow it down to 10 and then the next day you choose like your spouse your partner your friend someone in your family you get them to do it and then you come together and you share what 
their values list was mm-hmm. and then talking about like are they the same or are they different and a lot of people out of all 31 days said that was the hardest yeah. to be able to see like what really are my values which ones do I actually put into play in my life and then does it actually line up with how I'm living my life mm-hmm. or does it line up with the person I'm living with and do I even believe in some of these values like why did I choose these ones so at least that was one of the two of the hardest days <laughs> and one of the hardest activities out of all of it was going through the values yeah I I, I love that stuff um, definitely speaking my language and at, at, at <laughs> oh, risk, you are <laughs> yeah at, at risk <laughs> yeah I just last episode I was saying that it, it, my understanding of a of living a fulfilled life is un, is knowing what your essential values are and and living within them and and doing it without having done that work to discover what your real true values and and beliefs are um, then then you might not actually be able to to really do that and and on the flip side living a life that is misaligned with with what you really truly value. Um, is is just a, uh, a a short road to misery. Well, and I love I love mm-hmm. how both of you the evolution of your values are. It started within you, but now it extends to others. And I think that's that's ultimately the destiny for all of us. Is is um, w- you know when you when you want to manifest a, a life, it has there has to be a contribution factor. What are you contributing sure. to the rest of the world? It's not about building our own empires, but about building a better world. And you're both doing that through what you do right now, which is which is fantastic. When you have truths, like we're living from from a truth perspective, and maybe it isn't aligning with corporatocracy in Canada and mm-hmm. the way things are run. Right? It's obviously not aligned with that. The way through it is by collective consciousness and you can only have collective consciousness if you share this information that's the truth for sure and people start believing and buying in and that's how we can maybe affect change creating a model in one place that's working that maybe can be adopted in other places you know that's kind of what we're left for, what we're looking for absolutely perfect um i think now would be a, a great time to kind of dig into the cannabis conversation a little bit further um one one thing that you said earlier, Fabian, is that you hadn't even touched um, touched cannabis until you were 31 years old. Um, there's a lot of stereotypes that are still out there and and misperceptions um, about cannabis as a drug and people's uh, understanding of it. And and really now it's it's coming becoming clear there there's vast. Uh, vast properties and, and vast effects that can heal all kinds of different um, illnesses and, and issues for people. So I, I wonder if um, if you can start by just telling us how you got introduced to cannabis and like how that first experience of its healing properties looked for, for each of you at, and then kind of the evolution of, of your relationship. And, and now it's, it's obviously not only a, a significant part of your lives, but of, of the businesses and the work that you do. It's, it's been quite the journey, I'll tell you that. Um, uh, the first thing is uh, I don't use cannabis for fun, even though it's legal in Canada now. Um, uh, our, our group does not use it for fun. Uh, we use it to treat symptoms. So the first two years when I found it at, at that age, I was more like a hippie. This is way before we opened our first clinic. 
I was just like, I went to seven festivals in one summer and I haven't been to a festival my entire life. It wasn't, I never wore flip flops. I never wore shoes for an entire summer. My toes look ridiculous. Uh, and I never felt more connected to the earth in all my life. Yeah. And I was standing upside down on my head doing inversions everywhere, weird places. Yeah. I didn't know why. It just felt good. And I didn't care what anyone thought. You know, when you go to Afghanistan, you, you go through that shit, you come back, you don't give a shit what anyone thinks. Right. Like it, you know, especially when you start feeling good. Uh, for the first time in a long time so mm -hmm. two years of being a hippie you got to get over that and get back to get to figure something out here <laughs> do something with my life or move and to I bc i was I gonna was, say right a lot of people made a research. life out of it though <laughs> no man and i would have no i just i want to do more it would have been good staying there but no you got to contribute uh, yeah. reached, that's right so i reached out to a doctor at nyu lagone medical center dr newmeister and for four months he talked back and forth to me um and, and that's how I came to understand cannabis to treat trauma. Uh, it's replacing receptor deficiency in the endocannabinoid system. Anandamide, 2-AG, and CB1. Anandamide being the biggest one, there's a drop in it. It's the Sanskrit word ananda, which means bliss and delight. Mm. So veterans with PTSD or people with trauma, trauma's trauma. They have a drop in anandamide. They, mm. they vape or smoke THC and it passes the blood-brain barrier and replaces the anandamide. They're bliss and delight and they feel what they say is normal for a few hours mm. um, and that's just treating a symptom receptor deficiency that that's how it came i wanted to know why i felt normal when i used it and that's why now and that just gives you the opportunity to move on to pillar two and talk to your therapist now about the root cause of why uh, gotcha. yeah okay so there's other ways to replace your anandamide through you know a dedicated practice to exercise and nature and healthy living and food that's, that's a difficult way. Maybe tell them how you exactly found cannabis, like your sister was using it. Yeah, so I, I, you know, as a sergeant to the combat engineers, you, you, we charge people. My sister was using it for 10 years, uh, had a tumor removed from her spine, and was always trying to get me to use it when I was right fucked up. But uh, I was like, I can't. I'm in the military, blah, blah, blah. The trained brain took over, and you can't fucking do that. Um, she laughed, right? She laughs now. It's kind of funny. But uh, I, I'm way surpassing her in the cannabis since she's been using it for decades. But um, my whole family's on it. Uh, all my friends and our whole tribe. And we use plant medicine first. And then if we need a pill, maybe. But I'm not using a pill first ever again. And I'll try a plant medicine first. And if that don't work, then move on. So but did, it's did... just a... Yeah. Do you find it works? Do you find it works for everyone though? Like I have heard, and, and no. that that it no. in some people it increases their anxiety, increases their mental health challenges. One hundred percent, you're you're absolutely correct. While we all have an endocannabinoid system, we're not all deficient in receptors. Right. So it, if you have anxiety and you use sativa, you're you're most likely going to cause more anxiety. Yeah, yeah. If you have depression and you use sativa, it's going to help you get it up. If you have pain, you orally ingest CBD. If you have sleep issues, you orally ingest indica for sleep. You know, mm. if you need to get out and rake the yard, you might want a hybrid or a sativa and get out in the backyard and get to work. Mm. Uh, you just have to know how to use the medicine right and what which delivery method. Mm. Very important. Yeah, uh, and, and what you're doing. Yeah, it's not all the same at all. You just can't go out not on the street the and be and like it's not for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely not for me, right, Andrew? No. Well, maybe it was just the wrong. Until it is, though. One. Until it is, like it's not for you now. You yeah. do have an endocannabinoid system. If you do have trauma in your life, don't be naive to think it ain't for you then. Right. Yeah. Correct. Right? Yeah. And if you're healthy, well, I don't want to use cannabis. 
-hmm. I would like to not use it and be able to use it for fun. And I'm working on that. I'm working towards that. Um, Ultimately, you know, I don't want to have to use any medicine. You know, it's interesting, the contrast, um, how you were saying, like, back when you're in the military, you're like, no, no, I can't use that. I can't use that. I'm in the military. But yet they're fine with you using these nine other things they gave you, <laughs> which are way so, worse for you, obviously. So bad. Man. You know, and it's just like. Effects are, so why do you think that is? Vilify. What is the. It's what, a, yeah. Tell me the system yeah, that's going they, on there. Well, with the cannabis, it doesn't have a DIN number and they're all about has to be have a drug identification number hmm. um and it they also the canadian enforces a zero tolerance policy on cannabis whatsoever right. so it's never getting in and uh, you know they have to rewrite the whole canadian forces policy there mm-hmm. uh, around cannabis so um you know they were why would they ever study it their doctors are never recommending it they're not allowed to recommend it you have to go outside the forces see a doctor to get it mm-hmm. and they're only allowed to give you ssris and benzos and, and to treat trauma and that's the best they can do and and how much of that do you think has to do with um like how well what's the cost of that what's the cost of all the pills what's the cost of the the consequences to the pills the stomach issues because of the pills the penis issues because of the pills the community issue and and the the involvement of a crazy ptsd guy what are those calls and those hospital visits what's that cost Mm -hmm. because i haven't been done any of that in eight years it didn't cost them nothing but my cannabis that's it right wow you know so let's do that cost comparison they don't they don't want to because big farmers taking a hit right now yeah yeah big hit and everybody knows that uh, maybe they're scrambling to figure out a way to capitalize on cannabis but it's at the cost of the blood of six thousand plus american vets a year we've surpassed the death toll in canada to suicide post-war we lost 158 to the war, and we're, we're past that in suicides now. Uh, and that should be fucking alarming. Mm-hmm. Alarming. They should be, they're giving money back to Treasury saying we don't need it when there's people still taking their lives. Say, like, come on, man. Especially yeah. since they, they actually have research now that shows that a lot of the pills they use to treat depression doesn't even work and actually no. makes, makes it worse. Um, and it, so, you know, they just dive into the science. A pill mm-hmm. can't pass the blood brain barrier to level out the receptor deficiency in the brain, the endocannabinoid. It can't happen. It mm-hmm. has to be heated up to a certain temperature. Right. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And the pills make them like zombies. So then they can't actually really get to talking about the trauma or healing mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form that actually is going to work to evolve or expand their healing. And with a 50-50 ratio of people getting divorced, it's because of the pills making their penis not work and they can't connect with their partner. Mm-hmm. can't engage. You yeah. can't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to survive, right? Your partner has needs too. Well, and just what does that do to the identity of the men that are suffering from that, right? Like, what's that going to do to their, core value. To their mindset? Not a man anymore. Now you're not a warrior anymore. Right. Now you're fucking real alcoholic now you're on the hardcore drugs right. now you're dead and they say it's natural causes i call bullshit hmm. mm-hmm. that's what's going on up here yeah and one one of the things that i really appreciate about your approach is even just as you just mentioned the drugs the the cannabis um treatment plan is basically just to get you to that second pillar where then you can actually deal with the root causes whereas if you're just hopped up on anything you can get your hands on or or mind-numbing drugs there's no way that when you're 
under those effects that you're being able to get into get in touch with yourself coherently to be able to to deal with the trauma itself that's what we've witnessed over the last half decade and you know personally i've been on nine pills a day and i i went to therapy and i couldn't get anything out of it and now i can and i can absorb and i can reflect and, and process um and i can only say that's just the evidence from what we've witnessed we're not doctors um you know we're not the government and we don't uh, give anybody the um uh, the you must it, it's about providing options to find out what works for that person um, yeah. yeah, and this isn't something that specifically applies to military veterans. It it certainly does apply to, to veterans who have experienced trauma, which is, I would assume, basically all veterans. Um, but it also, it's it's people who have experienced trauma in, in any way of their lives. And it, it this provides hope to people um, who have been through something hard that they, that maybe the coping mechanisms that they're using, maybe, maybe people who are listening right now are ineffective, but are, and maybe it's not a, a crazy prescription that, and nine pills a day, but maybe it's, it's dealing with it through repression or alcohol or Netflix or whatever it might be. But, um, there, knowing that there's solutions out there, that, that there's plant based solutions out there that are, even just a step in the process towards healing that aren't the healing itself, but are, are a way of, of finding that healing. I think it's, it's a, a really refreshing and, and inspiring idea. Well, and let's be honest, like it, all humans have under have experienced trauma. Right. You know, it is, is a part of the human condition. We've all had a trauma. And well, it, we say it, with it, a capital T, trauma is trauma. We don't, uh, whether you're raped or you've seen an accident or you were in war, absolutely. there might be variations of that trauma, but they have the same receptors off. They have the same left and right brain waves off. They need the same work. They need their spirit back. So that, that has not changed. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And looking to the future and, and, one, one maybe a part of this question or maybe i should just start with this question but um what how have you seen uh the the legalization process in canada uh affect the work that you're doing let, let's start there um it has it is it significant is it uh, is it more of just a, a a government uh way to increase tax dollars it has how has it affected the work that you do uh, well, well you know We'll, we'll have different opinions, Julianne and I, because she she's now helping people with the lifestyle of cannabis and how to even navigate that properly, uh, even if it's not medicine, right? Mm-hmm. And and what I found is that before legalization, our veteran group was the priority client, and we were getting the best medicine at the time. And when le- legalization happened, people are willing to pay more money. We're getting the better product. And medical patients got the subpar product now uh, with their insurance coverage. And that's mm-hmm. where the, you know, the corporate uh, issues come in about shareholder value and share price versus, uh, you know, taking care of your medical patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it has hurt, hurt a little bit. Subpar products, not fun when you're dealing with trauma. They run out of your medicine. Like imagine, uh, they ran out of my effector and said, oh, sorry, we're out. Uh, you want to try a different antidepressant? Yeah. Uh, they're not allowed to do that. That's what's going on right now. They're running out of the strain you need. 
uh, and say, oh, it might be in next week. That's not cutting it, man. That's mm-hmm. not going to cut it. You're going to hurt people. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if all you have is sativa on the menu and I have trauma or I have anxiety. That's not going to work for, mm-hmm. for you, right? So, so it's been a mess, let's say. The rollout of cannabis has been a bit of a mess. There's been a lot of lessons learned, but I do have hope for the future of Cannabis 2.0. This uh, extract pen I have in my hands, um, that's going to play a big part in the future here. Uh, you know, this big stinky joints everywhere. <laughs> I love smoking joints, but uh, it becomes a problem out in the public. Uh, not everybody wants to stink the place, want you to stink the place up. So these extract pens... Uh, I can have my indica or sativa or CBD and, and have a little haul off it and, and get my medication without causing a disruption in public. You know, that, that's a good thing that's coming. That's what you refer to as, as cannabis 2.0 is is uh, right. is not just extracts. Okay, not just flour. It was just dried flour and really diluted oil. Um, we're now into pure pure extracts, critical CO2, which is just all trichomes. It's beautiful if they can keep the terpene profile uh which is equally as important what, uh, one of the many things um that i think is, is inspiring about your story especially the, the marijuana for trauma and, and the evolution of that is just your intent like yeah you know it's not changed I, no like i think i think the intent is what's powerful is, is for you marijuana is for healing and and for to, to ultimately thrive and for a lot of people, and perhaps why it gets a bad rap is it's 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 often a form of escape, and and they're not that the intent isn't to heal or deal even, it's just to escape perhaps, and um and run away, and um you know and it should have a bad reputation for that because that's not serving anyone well, and so I love how you said we don't use it recreationally. And, and I think that's so important for our listeners, for those people who are, who are uncomfortable with this conversation to realize is perhaps you're uncomfortable with something that hasn't been what it could be, but there is other options. You know, there is a way right. to use it for great purposes, knowable purposes, to thrive, to, to make a better difference in the world. And, and yeah, of course, there's the dark side, but that's not what we're talking about today. No, and, and trauma aside, you know, like we, we got our own issues with the trauma. I've seen uh, a, a load of elderly people absolutely thriving again mm-hmm. on CBD. Mm-hmm. For example, Julianne's grandma, <laughs> I've given her pure extract CBD oil, and now she she enters these 5K races at 80 and says, when I want to win the race, I take my CBD. Wow. Now that's a performance-enhancing <laughs> drug right there. If I've ever seen that's one. amazing. You know, and, and, and athletes yeah. are going to start using this once it catches on and it's not banned. And CBD lubricates your joints. It takes away your pain and stuff. Like, you know, it's a little bit of a performance enhancer, but also does other magical things. Yeah, she my, said she felt bad about the woman that she kept beating in the two races. She's like, <laughs> I think I just won't enter next time. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. Grandma loves her CBD. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really does that's have... Gonna, go ahead. It's going to take the world, man. No, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of suffering. A lot of older people are suffering and they're in pain. And they a lot of just pain people get given the wrong narcotics with oxycodone and you know, mm-hmm. Purdue ruining ruining communities across the world, mm-hmm. and they should have been given out CBD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's about to change in the next five to ten years. Uh, it'll be over the counter, on the shelf, 
hit your CBD like it is a, a vitamin almost. That's what I see coming. Hmm. You should tell them about how you walked to Ottawa, honey. Yeah, I, wa- I walked from New Brunswick to Parliament Hill. You did? Wow. Yeah, three years ago. Wow. Today, three years ago, it was for Major Paul uh, Ruck Paul, who died. Uh, I did it over 158 days for the 158 men and women who died in Afghanistan. Mm. I walked from um, Fredericton to Parliament Hill because they were reducing our medication, our cannabis coverage by 70%. Mm. And I informed them, like, you're going to hurt somebody. Uh, you don't have evidence that we don't need that much or that we only need three grams or whatever. And it was unfortunate because it was 10 days after they did that that one of our clients had taken his life. Um, and a lot of people just became introverts again when they were missing 70% of their medication. Um, access to cannabis and coverage for that cannabis should be uh, a top priority for the VA in the States and in Canada um, because it's saving lives. If they cared and they want to, it's saving lives. You don't listen to me. You don't ask a hundred people that have PTSD that use cannabis regularly. It, it's, it's saving their life until they can get down to treating the root cause. So as we've spoken about a bit through this conversation, a, a huge part of the challenge is rewriting the narrative on cannabis. Um, what do you, can you give an example of maybe a, a great success in communicating what you're doing and, and maybe a, an epic flop that, uh, that has taken place in, in trying to, to change the way we think and, and talk about the use of this drug? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, one patient sticks out in my mind that, transformed he came in shaking because it wasn't it wasn't trauma he had some sort of shaking issue where his arms are vibrating uh, violently and he's sweating and he said he's been like that for several months and they got him on pills and he can't stop shaking mm-hmm. and he was willing to let me try vaporizing cannabis uh, CBD with him and in three minutes and 20 seconds he literally put his hands out straight and they never moved an inch and he, he was pretty much in tears mm. and they named a strain after him in the industry and it, it hmm. company, Afria, they named it Andrew. He's in uh, high times magazine. Hmm. Um, you know, that was the story where, holy shit, I, I didn't really realize CBD was that powerful because hmm. it doesn't work for PTSD at all. Um, so that was a, an interesting, uh, event that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and, and maybe... What was the second part of your question? I, I guess just, ha, have there been any... I, I, I use the term epic flop, and, and <laughs> but but uh, ha, have there been any real challenges in, in groups or may, maybe on, yeah. on that walk to Parliament Hill where people just, just aren't getting the message? No, the, the, the flops were thinking that these licensed producers and their CEOs were, were going to actually care and listen. Because what was happening early on, guys, is there was only four or five licensed producers growing products. So we brought more patients to them than they could grow for. And it was an epic failure because there was people screaming all day long and then having to go to the next provider and them not having the product. And then the next provider, it caused almost more harm and more stress. 
oh, there's hope. You get there, and then there's none left. Mm-hmm. You know, let's try again. And then, you know, that, that was a flop over and over and over. And the one way to sort that out is by having quality product on a consistent basis and not running out. You need to manage your prescription count with your inventory. It's right. a simple solution. Mm-hmm. Don't take on more patients than you have product for. Mm-hmm. And that's what the greedy bastards were doing and continue to do. So uh, I will not work with anybody who operates that way today. And they have to buy into the aftercare and the four pillars or go figure it out yourself. I'm the one who showed them all how to build Veteran Affairs Canada. I, I flew the first six files up with the first LP in Canada and showed them how to start this whole thing. And while like back might not have been happy about that, they were saving lives and they still are by paying for our, our cannabis prescription. You know, my heart hurts today for the Americans. I got brothers down there. I go to Florida and, and, and you know, watch these guys collect cannabis under the cover of darkness at the back of a legion. It's, it's embarrassing, man. Mm-hmm. You know, the VA should have an emergency exemption that Trump should stand up and say, I care about my soldiers. I'm going to do exactly what the Canadian VA is doing. I'm going to pay for their me- medical cannabis. That would be a win for mm-hmm. American veterans. Do you think? Yeah, I don't yeah. imagine Trump will be saying that anytime soon. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> but, but I don't either, but I can always hope. Right? <laughs> you know, I'm getting the platform ready. Just look, man, just adopt this platform. So so a question, question, you know, I, th- I think the listeners, I, I imagine there's many who are who are very intrigued and perhaps even inspired to say, you know, I, I, I this is what I need. I really need to look into this. Um, you know, you're speaking from across the country. What could they do today? to begin the process of beginning to have cannabis um, bring them back to life and help them manage. With, yeah. So, you know, with, I love Julianne because even if you don't have a medical prescription, you can still go in and buy cannabis somewhere now. Mm-hmm. So it'll be more beneficial to hear what Julianne has to say yeah. about your lifestyle and how do you try cannabis for the first time than it is for me. Yeah, let's from. let's make that switch. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Another flop part that I was going to add is like not uh, like it's our fault or anything to do with it in that way, but like the gap in care at the time where people were getting their prescriptions and then they weren't able to tell them like what to order, what to take and people aren't knowing what to use, when, why and how. So that was like a flop at the time. That's getting mm-hmm. a lot better, which also ties into this because now there's the cannabis coaching and cannabis blogs and so many different educators that you can look or contact now that will help guide you towards the experience you want, mm-hmm. whether it's medically or you're like a mom at home and you're like, I just need a break for an hour mm-hmm. or I just need to take the edge off or I feel like my immune system isn't that great. I heard CBD is good for that. Being able to reach out to a cannabis coach or educator or like YouTube, even if you trust those resources to find more education for what you need. Don't trust uh, Ricky in apartment 6B with his edibles. It might, <laughs> it might uh, put you out for a couple hours. Uh, That's works. the issue. It's like, where do you get your product? That's important, uh-huh. right? So you know exactly what percentage it is and what's in, in the edible or what's in the flower. So we need to fire Ricky. And, and then also um, to find the, <laughs> to find those people locally, um, like how do you, like do you give coaching for that or where can they find those people they, they can be trusted? Good question. Um, for me, some people actually just find me online by Googling cannabis coach and my website pops up. 
So sometimes just doing that, you'll find people who are near you or people that do online services. Um, like Canada host clinics, they have people like trained on site. Some dispensaries are hiring educators now to be there on site. So I'd say that's probably the best way. The, the best advice for those first users is to go low and slow. She yeah. will bite you in the arse if you uh, overindulge with Santa Maria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, hmm. or so low and slow is, is probably the best approach if you've never received cannabinoids in your brain or in your yeah. body before. Because hmm. that's yeah. a big like, whoa, first <laughs> sure. time. It's like, holy, where have you been my whole life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of feeling. Or it could be like, please stop. I'm on a carpet. And it's going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you could have, you can have uh, those two experiences. Unless that's what you're looking for. <laughs> Unless that's yeah. what you're looking for. Then I would say, like, well, let's try a dab. Because now we're really going to kick it up a notch. Yeah. Uh, but we... again, those are fine things to do if you do it in a ceremonial way, I would suggest. Like, they call it the set setting dosing skill. Yeah, for sure. Sacred work. And, you know, if somebody's holding space for you, then you can get on the carpet and go and explore those non-ordinary states. Awesome. One one thing that I wanted to inquire about, and maybe this is a way we can start wrapping up this uh, this fantastic conversation. But um, we talked about manifesting quite a bit, and I'm curious what what each of you might be manifesting in this in this time. Good question. Yeah, it's a great one. <laughs> and, uh, it's a big dream. Uh, it's going to take an awful lot of action, but uh, personally, I'm manifesting uh, a new way of thinking, a new system with the four pillars, and a model of care in in one location that actually is working and showing uh, results of people getting better and getting their life back, and then having that system uh, adopted nationally and globally, mm. uh, which is going to take a lot of work. It's a big it's a big uh, undertaking, but so was marijuana for trauma for those who know better mm -hmm. so we're, we're the type of people to get shit done and not stop and this is our purpose this is the fourth pillar mm -hmm. uh and and that's the meaning of life is finding purpose yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. yeah. yeah julia might have something to say yeah same like in the sense of also like manifesting anything to support bringing this into form but also working on more offerings online like we've done a lot of like in person help with people in healing and guiding and speaking with them or doing like in-person yoga and sound healing but finding a way that because we want to help so many people it's like how can we reach so many people if we can't always be everywhere at one time so finding ways to offer that in an online way or in a video and connecting in that form to bring more people to the self to then manifest that aspect into the pillars and then hosting our retreat and bringing our ideas into how we want that to look in a bigger way. So I definitely manifesting more about what we want <laughs> to help it's people. About information, better decision. More information, better decision. <laughs> More information, better decision. It's always about making not the best, but just a better decision when you receive the information. Yeah. And I think that's a strong point. And I also see this as we love silver bullets in our in our in everything in life, right? We just want like a quick, you know, a quick pill to solve everything or a quick solution or whatever. And yeah, and, and you're, you know, smiling and pointing to that. 
but <laughs> but <laughs> and that different than a Coors Light silver bullet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the same time, t- to me, I, I I don't hear you saying that that that's just a replacement for you know all the other good works you need to be doing, right? Like this isn't this is p- perhaps a better pill, but but also we 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 need to do other things besides just you know ingest something that will that will you know ho- hopefully bring about the experience we want. Like we still need to you know work on mindset and exercise and healthy eating, which is why I love that you guys talk about all that in, in what you're doing. Right. We, mm-hmm. we we say the heart work is the hard work. We don't mean cardiac. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. So I just think that's an important yeah. message. Yeah. Thank you. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, well, I, I'm so appreciative of, of uh, all the places this conversation went. It was it was really a, a lot of fun, and um, I'm just wondering, do you have any uh, any parting gifts or offerings for for listeners out there, um, and and the anywhere anything that you might want to leave for people as as we wrap this up. I'd say know that you know, like making that more of a mantra and allowing that to manifest more into your life, whether it's that inner calling to like quit your job and do something else or try a different form of healing, knowing that you know, I'd leave that Mm -hmm. mantra. Mm -hmm. And uh, a tough thing I would leave is that uh, acknowledging when you have to put your hand up and do a little more self-care and medical attention uh, treatment for yourself. Uh, being able to put your hand up and say, I need a timeout is very responsible. And I, I can appreciate when a, when a person does that because it, it's tough to be vulnerable. Take time out from everybody's life who's busy, but just focus on you getting better. That, that's a big decision. And it's the strongest and thing it, you can do. It's the strongest thing you can do. So I, you know, that's the, that's the warrior. When they do that, that's the warrior coming back out, man. Absolutely. Look at when they do get better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where can people find you and connect with you, Julianne? I know you have a you have a podcast. Um, I know you speak. I know you write. You seem to do it all. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my website's Julianne now. So J U L I A N E N O W E dot com, and on there you can see all my blogs and my online membership courses. Cool. The now show in that way, and yeah, website gaffhouse.org. Uh, it's just a landing page now because uh, the full website ain't going to go live until I'm extremely happy with how it operates and runs. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, it's information for people yeah. and it needs to be easily followed and make sense. So um, we should be wrapping that up by the end of April. That's We'll put all that in the show notes, folks. Another reminder, go to read our show notes, just like Julianne did. <laughs> Uh, good, I read them. There's good stuff in there. There's quotes. I mean, there's, you know, we even make fun of each other a little bit. Um, Andrew might not know that because he doesn't read them. <laughs> oh, I know that you're making fun. <laughs> but yeah, there's good links we in there. We appreciate sarcasm. Oh, perfect. Good. That's probably what brought us together then. Yeah. There's some, you're manifesting a little more sarcasm in your yeah. lives. Cool. Right on. Well, yeah, thank you both very much for your time. And, um, yeah, we're, we're excited to, to keep tabs and, and, and see where this goes next. And uh, if you're ever... Yeah, if you guys ever come to the East Coast, please uh, let us know so we can host you. And uh, If you ever want to go to Cape Breton Island, that's where our retreat is at. We have a fishing, a 36-foot fishing boat called Seaweed. 
<laughs> uh, <perfect. laughs> that's pretty cool that's so we go out fishing and cruising and whale watching and we do hiking and anyway if you ever come to cape rat there as New Brunswick, let us know, man. Amazing. We could do a podcast right from the RV. That'd be so fun. Oh, you can yeah. RV with us. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the, the offer stands for BC as well. We'll uh, or or we just meet in middle of Manitoba or something like that. No, we, yeah. <laughs> or somewhere sunny and warm. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, screw that, man. Who wants to go to the prairies? Yeah. <laughs> I did my time there. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, let's continue the conversation. Th- thanks so much. Yeah. Well, that's the episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you liked what you heard here, check out the website. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com. That's where you can subscribe, check out the show notes. If we have one request, we'd ask you to leave us a kind review and perhaps share this episode. It's not because we have fragile egos. Well. But because we want other great people like you to benefit. Speaking of great people, we have a list of people we want to thank. We've got our senior technical advisor, Andy Robertson. Our media partner and web designer, Sticky Media. And of course our host and snack coordinator, Judy Langford. Oh, peanut butter cookies. You can continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast and on Twitter at Obstacle Pod. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Keep pushing through those obstacles.